You are listening to Healing Arts with Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com. Connect with me on YouTube at Past Life Lady or on my Facebook fan page at Past Life Lady. The Healing Arts Program is not intended as a substitute for consultation with a licensed medical or mental health professional. The listener should regularly consult a physician or mental health professional in matters relating to his or her health, and particularly with respect to any symptoms that may require diagnosis or medical attention. This program provides content related to educational, medical, and psychological topics. As such, listening to the program implies your acceptance of this disclaimer. Hey friends, have you wanted to access the Akashic Records but had no idea how to do that? Well, guess what? My new book, Journeys Through the Akashic Records, will take you step by step through the process so that you can access other realms of consciousness for your own healing and transformation. This book will show you how to open the door to this wellspring of information, meet with your spirit guides, do present life healing, psychic protection, Go out into the field of possibilities to access your higher soul's purpose, meet your guides and helpers, your soul group, and so much more. Again, over 50 guided journeys await you as you access the Akashic Records and receive information that is personal to you for your healing and self-transformation. Check out the book now. Just go over to my website, pastlifelady.com. Click on the book link and order today. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Care. Hey, dear ones. Welcome to another episode of Healing Arts. So I was just out at the International New Age Trade Show, and I met a lot of new fabulous friends, including our guest today. Estrella Taylor is a multi-published, award-winning author. She's won some Visionary Resources Awards lately. I want her to tell us about those. And then today, we are going to talk about her new book, which I think is absolutely phenomenal on creativity. Estrella, welcome to Healing Arts. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. Yes. So it was so great to connect um, in Denver. And I know you've been on a roll lately. Your books are fantastic. Tell us about the one that won the Visionary Award last year, the gold. Okay. That was Air Magic. It was actually part of a series. It won for the um, series uh, prize category. It was the Elements of Witchcraft series, I believe. Uh, elements of magic, something like that through Llewellyn. And then uh, this past year, it was modern witchcraft with the Greek gods. Yay. Congratulations. Congratulations. 
So you have, tell us about your background, how you became interested in the things that you're doing now before we switch gears and get into this new book. Okay. Well, um, I like to say I was always a little pagan witch. I was always this person who was making concoctions and things like that. And um, I was raised by a new age mom. She was a bit of a hippie. Uh, and she taught me about the power of the mind and the word. And I was raised through Unity Church, with which I know has a big representation at INATS. And um, that was really wonderful to have that kind of empowerment and to block away the things that weren't good for me, because I think a lot of people don't have that kind of experience. But then um, I had some astral projections that were accidental when I was a child, and it really made me think bigger of the world. And I studied all the world's religions. And the only one that really made sense for my experiences with this was magical practices and witchcraft. And I'm naturally a very superstitious person. I was also raised with a bit of folk magic and meditation. So that just came naturally to me. And I really like using all of those resources and abilities for my highest good and for the highest good of everyone in the world. That's ultimately my goal. That is fantastic. I have to tell you, I'm really interested in just thinking about the creative process. Where do creative thoughts come from? And I thought that your new book is absolutely fantastic. It's inspiring creativity through magic. You can see the book there. She's got it there. It is phenomenal. I absolutely love it. Um, friends, I was one of the early people who got to see this before it's actually been released. It's coming out soon. Anybody if you are a writer, you're an artist, you're a creator of any kind, um, you have walked us all through something here that I thought was phenomenal. I loved where you began. Um, you talk about the muses, which I think is something people, we can talk about that here as well, but you go far beyond the muses when you're describing like, where do we get these senses of creativity? So could you speak a little bit about some of these sources that we might draw upon? Yeah, sure. Well, um, I want to show um, this old battered copy of The Artist's Way, which I'm sure many people are familiar with. Um, I bought this. It was one of the first books I ever bought uh, back in the 90s. And like you can see, the pages are all yellowed <laughs> and dog-eared and whatnot. And I really love this because I wanted to be an artist, but I, I had a problem with the morning pages because my mind isn't really online in the morning. It just wants to trance out. But then I realized like I have my own way to kind of like get into the creative mindset. And it was basically to put myself in this kind of like a trance in a way. And I was using music and incense and smells and um, I was burning a candle. That was a good thing for me to use too. And I was using like the uh, little uh, piece of soda lights, which helps you communicate, of course, express yourself. And, and that's when I came across um, this unique little spirit who had somehow gotten into my house. And it's really, it was really weird for me because I have boundaries up, I have protection. And this spirit was just hanging out, like noticing what I was doing. But when I looked at it, it would just disappeared completely. Like there wasn't even a trace of the energy at all. But um, I realized like as I kept going and I was entering this trance, every time the trance got really good and I got, started like getting really good at my art, my writing, whatever I was doing, that spirit was there. So it's one of those creative spirits 
Um, I think it's a muse, you know, a genius, that kind of spirit, just a helping spirit that's beneficial, that really wants to see this kind of art in the world, whatever that art artistic medium is. So I started being like, okay, you're not a bad guy. So I will let you stay here. I'm not going to banish you. Um, cause I'm quick to banish, you know, in my house, like I don't put up with stuff in my house, um, hitchhikers, you know, trespassers, especially. <clears throat> so we started working together and, you know, by that I meant I would show up to my workplace and then he would show up and just, I just felt this beautiful energy, like trickling down my, from the top of my head, you know, into my skull down my neck and into my shoulders. And I would get chills sometimes just writing what I was writing. And this isn't a unique phenomena. You know, if you've seen the movie Hilma, or if you know of the movie or the artist Hilma of Clint, you know that she worked with a creative spirit as well. And these muses go back all the way to ancient Greece. Like Sappho has a beautiful quote um, about the muses and uh, Hesiod and Homer as well. So this, these have been around for a long time and they are beneficial and they're just wonderful to work with. They really do inspire. They give the inspiration, the ideas, the energy, um, that communication that just feels so magical. Yeah. Your storytelling is so fantastic in this book about mm -hmm. you talk about this little spirit and every time you try to get a good look at him, bam, he was gone. And you tried yeah. again and tried again. And eventually you developed a beautiful relationship where you could be more proactive rather than just waiting to see when he showed up. That is fantastic. As long as I didn't try to look at him, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just don't try to look at me yet. Yeah. And then eventually, I guess he was ready. So mm -hmm. yeah. Do you think, I guess a lot of people probably in the back of their mind, they think, well, I want to write a book or I want to paint something. Mm -hmm. Do you think that everyone can work with their own creative muse or spirit to bring forth something? Yeah, I definitely think everyone has the ability to have this magical creative experience. And, and honestly, you don't even have to work with the creative spirit, but it might show up anyway. You know, if, so, if you're someone who just is not into that, um, the book really lays out how to use your own creative correspondences, how to use the right music, um, how to have the right setting, how to have the right mindset to really um, get into that artistic trance, because that's where a lot of the good stuff comes from. And that's what nobody is really talking about. I feel like, you know, um, it is an altered state of mind. It's like a magical state of mind or a meditative state of mind. And once we get into that, we kind of expand our possibilities expand. We start connecting other things and things become more possible. You know, like, I think it's really telling when when authors are writing and they say the characters just leapt off the page. I had one idea about where they wanted to go, but they had another idea. And I think that's the creative spirit coming through and making things stronger beyond what we think that we're capable of. Yeah, I've written some fiction myself and they do really um, tend to tell you who they are and what they're doing. Yeah. And so you then you do ask, well, where does this come from? Because it is like watching for me, it's been watch, like watching a movie yes. play out in my mind. And I'm always like, wow, you know, I wonder how this thing's going to end. So I have to just keep going through to the end to see how it all turns out. And it's like, wow, 
Yeah, it's like think, the slowest movie ever, right? Because you're yeah, running. exactly. Like, wait, I got to take dictation about every line of whatever is going on here. This is incredible. Yeah, I, I don't. I guess I hadn't wanted to um, prescribe the term channeling or anything into my nonfiction when I first started, in particular, because I thought that things needed to be researched and things. But you talk about this in your book, like sometimes, like when you were first writing. And your special spirit friend showed up and that you were like, wow, you know, this stuff is kind of, it's really actually pretty good. I've never written a book before. And sometimes I do go back to things I've written in the past and I go, wait a minute, I don't even remember writing this anymore. So over the years, I have had to acknowledge, obviously, um, things that the younger me wasn't ready to accept, I guess, is that, you know, I don't really write any of my books either. I mean, I, I feel like we are inspired by unseen help along the way mm -hmm. so do you think we do you think there's others like myself who would be hesitant to think about what is this or where this is coming from rather than thinking we do things ourselves I'm convinced now we don't do any of this ourselves but I think we have help yeah um yeah and I think when you're beginning and you're not really in the trance mindset it's not routine for you all you're seeing is roadblocks or like the learning curve that you have to try to learn everything up on here. And there's, it's like exponential sometimes, right? Especially writing fiction. <laughs> um, but I think once you get like, you know, people talk about the 10,000 hours that you need to kind of get to the level of mastery or expertise. Once you get maybe halfway around there, I think, you know, things just turn, they get so much easier. And, you know, you, you are able to take what you know, and the research that you have, the structure that you need to have for that art, and then use that, and then also become inspired to kind of play with it. You know, like Picasso learned the classical style of painting before he became this cubist, uh, new revolutionary artist, you know? So I think we all have that ability to break away from the molds, but we, we do have to put the time in some of the time in first the hours it may not be 5,000 hours it may be less I, I don't really know I think everyone's different with that aspect though your Picasso imagery is so so true um, they've got that picture of the bowl of fruit that Picasso painted you know mm -hmm. he had to go there he had to learn just like everyone else you have to learn the rules in order to then break them and then become what he became so I think that's a really good point the yeah. other thing you mentioned um, is the idea of attachment, like attack, not getting too attached to outcomes and just letting the work go where it will to be open to that energy that's guiding you. How, mm -hmm. how can we become less detached, would you say? Less attached to the outcome. Yeah, I think it is. Um, I talk in the book about the egregore or kind of like the spirit of your art and you know like the writing examples that we talked about your art has an idea of how it wants to be and if we let that happen we're accepting the assistance we're accepting help from the creative spirit we're letting um, a little bit more magic come in and I can say from experience when I do that my work is better my work is a little bit um, I kind of get this objectivity you know, because a lot of art can be like, you're a little mouse on the forest floor and you can't really see the forest because all you're seeing are roots and like branches and uh, things. But 
you can get more objectivity once you kind of release those expectations and you can see the whole forest, the whole path of your art, whether that's, you know, one painting or a series of paintings or an album um, or the whole arc of your artistic career even. So I think that's a huge uh, important thing that more advanced practitioners can get and they kind of understand that a little bit better. That is it called an aggregor? Um, egregore, yeah. Egregore, yes. That this is like the the art becomes a living being. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was that, interesting, right? and I agree with that. And you know, I was imaging. I was working with like meditation of what this book wanted to show up as, and it was really fun to you know just have that meditation and interact with that energy. Cause it has this really playful energy is really bold as well. <laughs> um, and, uh, I just really love that. And one of the things I say about the egregore in the book is that you do want to have a finished product, you know, before you engage with the egregore to start editing, um, you can kind of get ideas about what the egregore is. It's going to tell you things, but, um, a lot of people myself included, I would get stuck in uh, editing my work again and again and again. And that's why I never finished a book, you know, uh, back in the old days <laughs> is because um, I would write a chapter and then I would revise it and perfect it and perfect it. And then the whole course would change based on that chapter. And I didn't even know what the end of the book was going to be like or the middle. So um, I didn't know what the egregore looked like. I didn't know what the egregore, the energy of the book really was at that point. So getting to um, some kind of a first draft or like a first idea of how you want everything to be set up, I think is crucial to engaging with the real spirit of the egregore. Because otherwise, if you edit before, the egregore is going to change its appearance, its uh, energy, its mannerisms, and uh, you won't really know what you're working with. That's such a good point. Um, I wrote a book on nonfiction called Nonfiction Formula because I was teaching back in the days before Zoom, um, which seems like ancient history now, but um, I used to teach a nonfiction formula class um, showing people how to kind of outline a nonfiction book. And I called this engineering standards. Like, let's say we're an auto manufacturer. At some point, you know, we could keep working on the car design, but guess what? Somebody needs something to drive. So we have to stop what we're doing, you know, drop the hammers and the screws and the nails and put the thing out on the assembly line. And so I started just learning that I had to apply that also to my art. Otherwise it's nice to be obviously detail oriented, but at some point you won't have anything, you know, to sell <laughs> really, or to, for people to read if there's not a stopping point. Yeah. And so I really, um, I definitely appreciated your idea about, yeah, get it done. I, I think that's the other thing I used to get into in my early um, journey was I was subscribing to Writer's Digest books because I always wanted to write books. And so they talk about what, you know, how you're going to market this book and where you're going to take it. But if you're too busy doing that, then you put the cart before the horse. Now you don't, you still don't have a book. So, you know, you're either finishing it or you're not finishing it. So I definitely um, related to everything you said about that. You've got to have something, but if you wordsmith it to death, you, you're, you're on the other end of the spectrum. It's a good point. Yeah. And meanwhile, somebody else can have a similar idea because there's a zeitgeist of the moment, like the spirit of the times that 
you know, there's always change that's happening. And I think um, a lot of spirits want to assist humans with the evolution, you know, like inspire them to make this change, introduce this idea into the world. And if you don't finish that product, somebody else is going to finish it probably faster than you did. <laughs> and then uh, they're going to be the ones with that idea out in the world. And I do think we all have our own takes on everything. There's a lot of overlap, especially in, you know, our worlds of publishing people publish similar books all the time. And it's just about what resonates with the reader, how the structure or the way people say things or the, the sources that they uh, give to the reader, what moves them the most, what works for them. Yeah, that's really true. There's so many stories of people running to the patent office, the five people rushing over there and the one that gets there first. Like you said, that's it. They get the yeah. patent. And they all and have everyone the same else idea. goes darn, you know. Yeah. I also love about your book lots of tools and exercises in chronological order. You take us from the beginning of trying to birth this idea all the way to getting it out in the world. And you offer lots of exercises along the way. Initially, I think for people getting into that creative spirit to call upon the muse, you have a lot of different tools. Um, you mentioned some of the music earlier. Would you like to describe a few of those that have yeah, worked for you? I would love to. So I am also a fiction writer. I've written two fiction books <clears throat> and they were both very different. <laughs> and then I've written four books with Llewellyn. And so the music that I use for each of my books is very different. You know, I, uh, I like uh, dramatic music, um, but when I was in college, uh, you know, for the, uh, let me back up. <laughs> I like to use dramatic music for fiction. I like to use like trance music for my magical books. But when I was in graduate school, I listened to Baroque music when I was writing my papers. And when I was doing, you know, things like painting, I was listening to podcasts. When I do fire dancing, I use songs that are kind of like exciting for the crowd and kind of dramatic in a different way than the book. You know, the book kind of had a special theme, uh, but this is more popular with the fire dancing music. So music can really help you key in a certain energy that you want to put out there. It can help you get in the right headspace because it's related to uh, it's associated with the element of air and it helps you get the right ideas and communicate the right message that you want to with your art. And the best way that I recommend using music is with headphones because it blocks everything else out. You're just, you know, in it. it they're literally like almost next to your brain, right? <laughs> so you get the full experience, the full stereo, and it, it is very moving and it helps you get into your art way better I found than without them yeah I've used different kinds of music as well speaking of which though I've got to go back to this you have got a fascinating background and so you are not just writing books you were a professional fire dancer so tell us how did you do that how did you get into that and you were very successful yeah. as a fire dancer which is incredible I made a lot of money with fire dancing I marketed my group as the fire dancers who um, smell good, show up on time, look good, you know, our music is clean, not offensive. And yeah, I put myself through graduate school by doing fire dancing and by having that business. Um, it was really fun because 
you know, I started out, it was just a hobby as a lot of us do with our artistic passions. And I just loved it. I love the exercise. I love the movement. I love the showmanship of it. And, you know, as a dancer, I feel that every single gesture or move that we have speaks volumes. And especially when we consciously combine it with music that's attractive and compelling to people, you can really change someone's life. You know, I remember when I was a child and the local opera came to my um, school and gave a performance of Carmen. And it was amazing. It changed my life forever. I will never forget. I just felt like I was so moved on the spot. And I remember just being like, oh my gosh. And my friends weren't quite as moved. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know if you noticed my light just like turned on full blast. <laughs> yes, I did. Um, it's, 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 it's your like friends, your spirit, unseen right? help coming through. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we don't leave it like that. Maybe he knows what's better for my lighting, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So having moving experiences, I know the value in that. And that's what I wanted to give to the world. I wanted to give more hope and love and beauty and possibilities in, you know, a very non-egotistical way. It's very important for me that the ego doesn't lead. It's more like a love-based way of giving back, like giving a gift to the world. That is so fantastic. And you do, you are a painter as well, correct? I dabble in finger paints. It's, it's, um, you know, it's my one area where I'm not like a professional artist and I do potting too, pottery too, but, um, Ooh. yeah, it's, it's very playful. It's very, um, fun. Uh, and I, I don't take it very seriously. It's more like just, I just kind of like go into a trance and just see what colors want to go where and what patterns. And I love getting the, the paint on my fingers. <laughs> it's just fun. I think in those times, though, when you're just enjoying the pottery making, because there is a, a kinesthetic feeling that you're having there that's connecting with your soul or you're painting just for the joy of it without this idea that we're going to take it out to the marketplace. I think that's a lot of what you're also bringing forth in the book, that everyone has this in them. We don't need to be Picasso mm -hmm. um, or some karma singing opera star to enjoy singing, dancing writing, painting, or whatever it is, that it's part of just being human and really expressing ourselves. Yeah. I mean, for some people, if they put their stuff out on the market, it kills a part of them because it's tied to self-worth, money-making, maybe even survival if they quit all other sources of income, jobs and stuff. Um, so I don't necessarily recommend that. I mean, doing something for the love of, of it is enough a lot of times. Yeah, I agree. I think you're right also about the tying in the financial thing. If you don't have those worries, then you're just free to create and to do as your soul is guiding you and your guides are guiding you as well, which is really yeah. cool. Yeah. Like you, my dad is, a, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, uh, my dad's a stained art, uh, stained glass artist. And um, he loves to make things and he loves to choose colors and stuff. But what he sells a lot of are these like college football symbols <laughs> and you're like, Oh, I'm going to make a few more of these, you know, that's not what I want to do, but that's what's selling. And, um, he's retired. So he's, it's extra income for him, which he does appreciate that, but he, he tries to balance it out now before he was just making those. And now he's having more fun and being more experimental. Wow. That's such a good point. Um, my dad ended up becoming a pretty famous knife maker in the state of Texas. He was featured in some magazines here and 
bunch of celebrities were buying his custom knives, but he got these certain trademarked styles that everybody wanted all the time. So he wasn't able to do as much of the custom stuff that he likes. So it's such a good point that you're making, you know, appreciative and yet also still needing to find that balance to what your soul is actually driving you to do is, is really, really important, I think. Yeah. Feeding your soul as opposed to feeding your bank account. It's exactly. about <laughs> with professional artists only, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You also listed um, the days of the week and what energies we can expect from those colors we can use, um, essential oils, gemstones. I mean, friends, I'm telling you, you are going to love this book. I love it. Um, I just want to congratulate you on this one. I would highly recommend this to everybody who is out there wanting to create anything that they're wanting to create. And I really am looking forward to really digging in here and going, you, you mentioned in the beginning, let's read it through once and then let's just go back and really dig in with particular projects in mind. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things you've done it so well is again, it is a book. Um, you are a dancer. Yes. Um, but you're, prescribing these techniques to all forms. So I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, having put my fingers in a lot of those formats uh, and I sing a little too, but just for fun, you know, it's, it's really um, all about the, they have those commonalities. So I think this is the way and the, the, when you start out with the air chapter and you do the brainstorming, that's how I do everything these days because it's so successful. It's so good. You know, I do my books that way. I do my workshops and rituals that way. And that's how you can make sure you get like a well-rounded presentation where you've thought of all the things you've made all the connections and put them in the right places. So they make sense. Um, I also have Virgo rising. So, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, I am very orderly when it comes to that kind of stuff have a lot of really great Virgos in my life who keep me under control because I'm an Aries. Um, we have our own set of problems. <laughs> One of my favorite signs. <laughs> a little attention deficit going on over here, but um, I, meditation helps. Yeah. So. And I think there's, for me, there's been the tendency to want to fight against, I don't want to sit in this chair today, you know, so I've had to learn how to do that over the years and that has helped. Yeah. Cause you know, you make a goal, you have a vision for yourself and then you want to see that come true. And I have ADHD too. I manage it. Um, I'm one of the ones who found out how to hyper-focus and this, this is basically how to hyper-focus, um, <laughs> for ADHD people and non-ADHD people. Um, it really just helps you get in place. Like my favorite part for the ADHD in me is the earth chapter. Cause I'm also on air sign, you know, and, uh, just sitting in the place where I'm supposed to be doing the creative stuff, the creative workshop, you know, I'm in that place. And here I am with my fingers on the keyboard that really helps me begin. And I'm rebellious too, but I know that I also have goals. So that really helps me. <laughs> yeah. That's such a great point that you also make is about setting up your spaces where creativity's the creative activity is going to happen. And then mm -hmm you're really giving yourself an environmental and subconscious cue that it's it's going to happen because you're using that same space every time. Mm -hmm. And that is really, really helpful. If someone was out there and they're saying, well, you know, I've been thinking about painting or I thought about doing my photography. I think that people hear the inner voice or they get these signs, but perhaps they're not noticing it enough to take action. So 
what, how would they start to become more consciously aware that the unseen is attempting to tap them on the shoulder? Well, I think the best thing you can do when you have this kind of like vague idea or attraction to certain kind of arts or certain kind of feelings that you want to provoke in your art is to get that stuff on paper, write a magical intention or an affirmation, set up your goals, because uh, you know you're going to manifest them. Uh, and then, you know, start that brainstorming process and just put pen to paper or pencil and write down what you like. Like, I really like the color blue, or I really like um, taking pictures of flowers. Or someday I want to write uh, a song about um, the neighbor across the street. And then, you know, just taking notes, because that's when, when you start writing stuff down and taking notes, that's when the ideas come, they'll start coming to you. And trust me, write them down whenever they come to you, like remember them in the shower, <laughs> they will come to you in the shower, they will come to you when you're about to go to sleep. And just start that flow, just begin to appreciate those ideas and start to write them down. I have a little notes app in my phone, you know, so that whenever I get something wherever I am, you know, as long as I'm not driving, I can just type it in there. And uh, like, I don't even have to think about it again, but often what happens is another idea comes. I'm like, oh, oh, this is how I could do that. Oh, this is a great thing I could use with that. Oh, maybe I should call that person and ask them, you know, about that one dress, that blue dress that they have and um, how, you know, it just starts the whole waterfall of inspiration. Yeah, it's an excellent point. I think the other thing is, when the idea is coming to you, I've had people say, well, you know, I get these ideas, but I always think, well, that was weird. And then they don't really think anything of them. So we do have to take an action on these, correct? You know, weird is a judgment call. And um, when I was taught when I was growing up, when people would call me weird, I would say, thank you. Yes. <laughs> like my mom taught me to say that when I was a kid. And so I don't look at things as weird. I look at them as just, you know, an underrepresented voice, something that's not quite, you know, out there in the normal world for most people. But I pay attention to those weird thoughts because those can have some of the most inspirational um, facets, you know, of your art. Uh, you know, you may be like, oh, um, I really want to combine blue and uh, mirrors, you know, or something like that. But that's weird. But actually, that's a really cool and clever artistic medium, you know, blue and silver. And that can provide you a lot more instruction on what your next steps could be. And I don't think that we should judge ourselves so much for these, you know, strange ideas. Yes, it's interesting, because when we get dream imagery, we can't really judge that because we wake up and go, wow, you know, but yet when we get waking dreams or inspirations, then we're more likely to, I guess, be awake and think, okay, no, that, that couldn't be anything that I should be doing. And, and uh, I've found that, you know, when I follow those interesting thoughts that they turn into very interesting places, as I know, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. I think that's where the gold is. Definitely. Definitely. And I'm telling you, friends, this book is gold and you need mm -hmm. to pick it up. It is one of my favorites that I have read in a very, very long time. I am serious and I cannot wait to continue diving into it. So tell us your website and where we can find out more about all of your award-winning books and your incredible work. 
Yeah, thank you so much, Shelly. Um, so uh, my website is astreataylor.com, just A-S-T-R-E-A-T-A-Y-L-O-R. And that's where I have uh, signed books for sale and some uh, a newsletter you can sign up for and um, you know what's happening with me right now in my life. Um, and I think that's the best way to get a hold of me and to keep track of me. I do have an Instagram account as well. And sometimes I'm on Facebook, but not very often, you know, I get busy. <laughs> um, but yeah, and uh, this book will be released on July 9th. So it's coming up or actually, I'm sorry, July 8th. So um, yeah, if you do a pre-order, um, I think that everyone's sending books out now, but I think that the bookstores have to wait until July 8th, but I highly recommend you get it through Llewellyn or um, your independent bookstore locally, um, you know, or, you know, someone that you love and trust. Excellent. I wish you so much continued success with your work, with your books, with your dancing, your singing, your creativity. This is a gift that is going to help a lot of people, including myself. I cannot wait to dive in more. And I can't wait to see what you come up with next, but this one is a real winner. So congratulations. Thank and again, you. friends, if you want to be creative, you want to tap into the soul, your soul. Um, this is a great place to start. I love it. So we have done it again. Another episode of Healing Arts. I will have all of the links below to the book, the website and everything else. And until next time, I can't wait to see you again on the next episode of Healing Arts. Hey friends, guess what? My new book, Past Lives in Ancient Lands and Other Worlds, Understand Your Soul's Journey Through Time is out and available. And you can order this book and visit ancient civilizations, including prehistory hunter-gatherers, Mesopotamia, Babylon, the Persian Empire, Egypt, Greece, Europe, the Americas, Rome, Asia and Australia, and travel into other worlds, including Atlantis and Lemuria, outer space, and so much more. This book features over 50 guided journeys to help you understand your soul's journey through time. So check it out. Visit my website, pastlifelady.com. Click on the book link and order Past Lives in Ancient Lands and Other Worlds today. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Healing Arts with Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at pastlifelady.com or on YouTube at Past Life Lady or connect with me on Facebook at Past Life Lady.